I'm not even supposed to be here, man. <laughs> That's great. That sounds just like Dante. That was the that was Clerks three in a nutshell. Well, here's the thing. I don't think you laughed hard enough, Andy, because I don't think you understand why I said that. I said that because Dante says that oh. a lot in Clerks. It's a reference that is very funny, not because it's actually written funny, but because it's referencing something that might have been funny. And That's... and it's also it happens in a very sad moment in Clerks three. Oh. <laughs> we will fucking get to that. But until then, it has been a while since we've done like a movie roundup thing. Yeah. And not only have we watched a, a good chunk of stuff that we like and also dislike, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of movie news that's just been coming out. There's been, I mean, from Venice to... Yeah. They, it literally was just announced like a few days ago that a film that came out in March from A24... The horror oh, comedy, right. it's, I mean, I don't know if it, it categorizes itself as horror comedy, but I think it's... It is pretty funny. It's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny movie, but X, by the time next year, will go from a single film that people were excited about to a fucking trilogy, Yeah. because the second film, which is a prequel in this said trilogy, comes right. out, it's out literally as this episode comes out, Yeah. so that's interesting. Uh, called uh, Pearl. Pearl, which looks batshit. Yeah. And I'm 100% down. I, I, we stand Mia Goth in this basement, <laughs> and it does not. We won't fight it. And then they announced Maxine. Maxine coming with out three early X's, next year. Yes, which it takes place in the 80s. Cannot wait to see how much. Do you think that's going to be like a, a Pearl pseudonym, like Pearl under a pseudonym? In no, that's uh, that is uh, Mia Goth's character in X. Her name is Maxine. Right. But wait. Now I'm now this is this is not this was not prepared. I'm now curious as to what, what well, you meant. Right, but she is in Pearl. She's playing the same character as she was in X, isn't she? No one the it, old she's, lady. Yes, yes, she is. Yeah. yeah. Not not the Yeah, she plays two roles in X. One yes. of them is the old lady yes. who is Pearl. And Mia Goth kills it in both. But yes, that is oh, the Oh, and then the Maxine movie is about her young character in X. Yes. The porn star in, character. I think I assume it's okay. implying that she's in the porn industry. Right. I would not be surprised if the third film is about her in her 30s and is just like being thrown out just because yeah. the porn industry is rough to right. women above the age of 30, at least especially in the 80s. My God. Right. Yeah. But yeah, there's that. Um, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. It's getting yeah. a lot of buzz. It is Brendan Fraser's. I mean, the man has been around these yeah, last several but years. It's kind of his big grand return. Yes. And his, his, like, you know, all of the awards talk he's getting is kind of new for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great because it's yeah. like, you know, Brendan Fraser is we just. We love Brendan. Oh, we love him. I mean, the man played a switch. While doing Zoom interviews and everyone lost their minds because <laughs> the man just plays a thing that other people play. But he's so yeah. sweet and endearing and hearing that the film is good. Because, again, Aronofsky is just a very, very divisive yeah. creator. And so it's very much, I mean. It'll sitting- be interesting to see how the whale as a whole film plays out. Because a lot of the praise has been directed at Fraser more yeah. than the film itself. 
and there's a lot of like kind of you know fat phobia discourse going around about that movie mm-hmm. so yeah, it'll be interesting he, to see because he plays a very very obese man yeah he's like 600 the... pounds or something yes. which uh, he didn't get to that they, 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 they don't. He didn't get the six hundred pounds. No, no, no. no. They put him in a fat suit and enhanced it with CGI. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I bet Aronofsky when he was making Requiem for a Dream, that was his <laughs> goal film, goal idea. Yeah. But yeah, there's the whale. Uh, God, what other Venice? I mean, a big one is. Oh. Didn't Kate Blanchett win for Best Actress? Uh, maybe I missed that. I try to remember because uh, I know she won an award for. A conductor film. Oh, making its rounds yeah, the Tar. Market. Tar, yeah. which apparently is really good. That looks really, really cool. Good. The trailer I'm, was awesome. need to watch the trailer. It's just Kate Blanchett. I'm, I'm good. I'm sold. <laughs> right, yeah. I, that's all I need. Yeah, Tar uh, looks awesome. Um, I know Best Actor went to Colin Farrell. For Banshees. Yeah. Which, thank God, that's a good thing to hear. Yeah, him and Martin McDonough back together. And Brendan Gleeson, of course, is yeah, of course. always... That's uh, got to be magic. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's a treat. And also, uh, uh, who's who's who is who is the Joker in the Batman? Spoilers. Um, in the joke in the Batman. Oh, yes. the Rob Pattinson, uh, uh, Barry Keoghan. Barry Keoghan. Yeah. I like Barry Keoghan. Yeah. Also, Droog from Eternals. <laughs> yes. The coolest Eternal man in a, yeah. in a leather jacket in that film. And it's that not a lot. Weird fucked up kid in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Still need to watch Killing. I know. Oh really? I know, yeah, he's that's definitely. I was not super high on that movie, but it made a huge impression on me. On me, I was bored I for it. a lot of it, but uh-huh. then it it's just so weird that it's like well, you can't not remember that movie. I, I see a lot of people saying the same things about The Lobster, just about... Oh, I, yeah. I really enjoyed The Lobster. Because The Lobster's great, but also yeah. is the first time you watch it, it is very much just like, this is slow. Yeah. Catching me off guard, but there's a lot of things in here that uh, I sa- need to chew on. Sacred Deer probably served as my buffer, because I saw that first. That oh. was my first film by him that I saw, uh, yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos, right? Yes. Um, I still think... I saw that, and then I saw The Lobster, and so The Lobster was like not out of left field to me <laughs> but that's because no, no, i was no, no, already no. prepared he did the favorite too yes he did that was a great favorite's movie. incredible i loved that but the big the big venice film that is just like ah. making the rounds in terms of like both drama as well as actually doing is like one of the very first big films to have a screening i think once the mm-hmm. uh festival kicked off and that is don't worry darling <laughs> yes the uh the Stepford Wives remake from Olivia Wilde. Uh, not not literally. It's just no. got a lot of parallels. Um, her her first film since Booksmart. It's her yes. follow-up. Um, it's very different than Booksmart, which I was glad to see. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, all the while, you know, before we saw anything from this movie and we were just hearing about it and the concept and the cast, I was like, oh, hell, yeah. Uh, great cast. Cool concept. Uh, I loved Booksmart. Um, oh yeah that was like number two of my favorite films of that yeah year. it was I right loved up, right up there for me too um and then uh yeah i mean the trailer came out and the trailer looked cool but didn't give us a whole lot which yes. is fine and then kind of the closer we've gotten to a wide release and the closer we got to venice and at venice all the press around the movie just became very strange and very yes. dramatic and very i don't know weirdly 
like toxic and he said she said stuff it is very clearly because i i looked in i looked into it again because when initially the controversy stuff became before don't worry darling because it's more about olivia wilde and her personal life right she's had a lot of yeah so when that stuff started to happen it was like oh well that's probably not good for whatever she's about to do next that whole uh getting served her like custody paperwork at yes. a convention on a panel yeah from which was it? jason sudeikis's lawyer yeah which apparently is not his choice to pick that time that is apparently something that just you do not pick that time whatever you serve it it happens although she did say that that is not how she 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 said that like a lot of things had to happen in order for that guy to get there at that time and that i place. mean so it's true. like who knows you know because it's kind of like it just seems like she is a magnet for a lot of kind of controversial things happening between people. And don't worry, darling has been no exception. Um, yeah, basically just like any kind of controversy stuff that was happening to her prior to don't worry, darling has only amplified because it's clear that people who are excited for don't worry, darling, and also are on Twitter every day, <laughs> just amplified the controversy to yeah. a point where now the film just will not, not have all of that attached to it but also will probably lead people to go see the film and just like we literally have friends who have told me like well now i have to see this right just because of all the harry styles spitting on chris pine and which we don't which didn't happen actually but (laughs) which it's (laughs) it's, a fun moment it's all conjecture it's all genuinely like twitter losing their minds over something that like yes i get why it's controversial i get why you know all these things happening at once is like horrible for a film when it's just trying to not yeah. be about this at any yeah. way. And well, and there's the whole thing with the whole Shia thing where Olivia says they got rid of him because he was hard to work with, and he says he left because of whatever scheduling or something. Yeah, and, scheduling conflicts. And Florence Pugh remains mum on the whole thing because this is not why she did the movie. She didn't like participating in all this drama that's going on so she was you know it's just been interesting to see she's just kind of stayed out of all of it um and i think has also said she's not gonna do any press for it from here on out or something like that well it's probably because during the venice film festival when the film was premiering she had to basically fly back and forth from the set of dune 2 yeah part 2 to come and do it because i think as soon as she showed up her flight got pushed back. Like she pushed back her flight because of being on set. Yeah. Came to the festival. Just, yeah, didn't want to talk about any of that shit. Mm-hmm. And like, the only things we've kind of heard about her talking about it is, you know, there's all the posts about, you know, you know, loving to be a part of this, like when she initially was announced. And then now it's like, you know, conversations about like, I think the one thing I read when it was like initially, like when the trailers were coming out, she was just like, I didn't really become an actress to like, yeah. Have people talk to me about like someone pretend the Harry yeah, Harry Styles going down on a woman. Yeah, and, like, yeah. you know, I, I I get why people are asking, but like that's not why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Which is why like the whole controversy's been interesting because like all the stuff that's quote unquote controversial, I get it. It's like it's just like, ah, that's a little probably the worst time for that to come out. Okay. But then like Olivia Wilde being I'm like, Hey, it's like this is not the first time the internet has come after a woman. Right. Just because and it's like, ah, I mean, she's she's not wrong either. Like it's yeah. like it's one of those things where it's like, okay, right. Well, and Shia's history has been plenty laid bare, and oh. he's owned up to it. He's admitted oh. 
to all of most of the things that have been levied at him. Oh, so it's like there's God, no debate there. I just think it is so, so un. I think at a certain point, all this controversy just made me think this is going to be probably such a mid film. Right. Yeah. It's going to be so middling. I'm probably going to enjoy it. And we just it. made this fuss for nothing. Yeah. And I think it's like it's always like, oh, are you sure it's not going to be truly bad? It's like no. Literally yeah. all the good reviews are like in the seems like three out of five, three and a half out of five, mm. and all the bad reviews are like in the two and a half out of yeah. five. <laughs> so like it's, there's not a huge it's divide. leveling out between five and seven. Yeah. Yeah, like I think it's like if anything, this is like this is Olivia Wilde's big swing to get out of something that isn't like a book smart two type film. Yeah. And it might not probably work. It might not be like for some we'll people. It might work for others, but yeah. September is yeah. a weird fucking time for films. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get a film like Don't Worry Darling where it's like it could be an Oscar contender, but like, you know, probably isn't. Yeah. Or you get stuff like, you know, something both Andy and I saw, like Barbarian, which Ooh, yes. by the by the time this comes out, it's a horror film written and directed by Zach Kreger, who's mainly known for being a part of The Whitest Kids You Know. <laughs> yeah. And he made... I don't think I'll go as far as saying it's the best horror film of the year, but in terms of entertainment quality, my yeah. God, is it a blast. I well, I guess I haven't seen much good horror this year, but yeah, it's up there. It was a really fun, wild ride. It was a fun, wild ride. I mean, like, I mean, again, this is a good year for horror because you get something like Scream 5. Yeah, that was really fun. Good. You also get something like Men, which is just mm-hmm. unsettling and weird. And then you get something like Barbarian. Yeah. And then we're going to get in like in a month we're going to get Halloween ends. Right. We're really just like, you know, if you're just a horror fan in general, you're just getting a lot of stuff. I think Hellraiser, the oh, Hellraiser yeah. reboot might also come out this year. They released year. a still of the new lady who's playing Pinhead, Pinhead. and she looks awesome. Yeah, so it's like it's if you're a horror fan, it's like the perfect time to be one because it's like just just across the gambit there's all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh I saw I just recently saw this. I saw the Ninja Turtles film that's based off of the most recent cartoon series. Oh, yeah. The Rise of the yeah. Ninja Turtles. That's great. The movie's on Netflix, Yes, right. it is. It is great. It is uh, it's a blast. Like, it definitely is. It's made to be standalone to an extent. Like, it's clearly, like, an epilogue. But, like, you can just jump in and mm-hmm. not have to worry about, like, I don't understand what this is. It's also fascinating because, like, apparently, it, even though that film is an epilogue to the show... They had that idea for that film from the very beginning and basically was told by Nickelodeon to an extent to make it as standalone as possible. The movie? Yes. So, like, there's a lot of things I think were added very late in the process to kind of tie it back into the show but ultimately wasn't Mm. going to confuse audiences. Yeah. Because the film does uh, exclude key figures from the show because that part of the show where they involve – involves a lot of the weirder aspects that like i think nickelodeon was like if you just open that can of worms and people don't understand they might be confused maybe just stick yeah. to aliens but oh, okay. as it is like it is just i mean i watched it with my roommate and our friend adam who did a last episode right and he just like when we watched the finale of rise because i showed him the finale of the show because i was like i just want you to watch this and see what the show deserves 10 seasons instead of two because it's only gotten two seasons. Uh-huh. It probably might only get that. Right. And he literally watched it, and I shit you not, went like, that's some of the best Western animation I've ever seen. It's <laughs> the like, yeah. The movie or the show? The show. Oh, wow. And then you watch the movie, and you go, 
I mean, people have been saying this on uh, when talking about it online and whatnot. Definitely Reddit, because I was because like that's the only place I can think that people are still actively talking about it. But people describe like there are scenes in the film that feel into the Spider Verse. Yeah, and how like the camera, like the the shot composition, the way it's animated, just the uh-huh. way they approach it, like. Yeah, I saw because the the movie's been out for several months now, right? No, the movie came out in August. What did I see like six months ago then? Must have been from the show. I thought it was from the movie. It was like a fight against Shredder where they all that's had superpowers. Yeah. Okay. In the show, that's the finale. It's, oh, okay. And, and the, the finale came out in 2020. Okay. All right. So it's like. It, yeah, well, that sequence that I watched was fucking gorgeous. It is. It's some of the best animation in the show and some of the best animation I've seen in a while. Like, mm-hmm. it just caught me off guard, especially for an American show. Which, yeah. But yeah. That was that was a surprise that like, I I mean I knew I was gonna think it was great, but man, it was a much better. Mm-hmm. And it's also like ninety minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where like I know a lot of people talk about the show about like its breakneck pace, mm-hmm. and I can understand some of the stipulations, but it also means like, when it comes to people that know what they're doing craft wise, when it comes to a breakneck pace, the best execution is to keep the things that matter. Yeah, and if you have moments of levity, put them in the right time, and that's kind of how the show and the movie does well. But uh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, surprises, I the the latest trailer for the Weird Al movie. Yeah, that looks so awesome. I'm excited. The first trailer, oh, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, it looks like a Roku TV movie. Um, whatever. That's fair. <laughs> and then the second trailer came out and like it you know it it's uh it's a full-blown parody of music biopics. It's, it's a walk hard about Weird Al. Yeah. It's basically it looks what awesome. it is. Like I mean that I knew from the very beginning that there was probably going to be a possibility. As soon as they uh uh what's gosh, Evan Rachel Green yeah, from or, Westworld. Or Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood, thank yeah. you. Uh, who plays Dolores in the Westworld. She, when they casted her as Madonna, in my head I went, <laughs> that is meant to definitely be a parody of some way, shape, or form. There's got to be something here that is very much not take. There's no way this is taking itself seriously. Yeah. His Weird Al is the type of guy where it's like, if someone came to him with an earnest approach to his life, he'd probably be like, oh, that's sweet. But this is what he would want. This is this film is what he wants yeah. with his story in terms of just like the fact that he puts his cigarette out <laughs> on uh Will Forte's hand yeah. is hilarious. And the fact that Weird Al is playing an exec in the movie itself. Yes. He's in the film. Yeah. I mean that I mean the little snippets of dialogue and stuff from the trailer that are, you know, aping biopics, it feels like it was written by Weird Al. And I don't yeah. think it was. No, but no. it's just really capturing like his kind of comedy very yeah, well the mind Bologna <laughs> sequence that is in that last trailer is yeah. just like i got chills man like it's so well done and it's yeah it just screams al in the best way yeah and so i'm I, th- that's a movie i wasn't really expecting to look forward to that much but I, if, I have now to buy I a, if i have to buy a roku to watch it i'm gonna be upset <laughs> but at the same time i'm curious to see how how that affects roku in terms of like what are they going to be like, our Nielsen rating say? And it's like, yeah. what is Roku? Oh, my God. <laughs> this changes everything. Yeah. But oh, should we just get into this? We I mean, probably this is, should. This is. We started with a 
cold reference to the movie, and now we've gone way off off path. So we should I, probably. I'd say it's. I'd say cold reference, more like a warm, nostalgic, very funny, you know, <laughs> reference that I myself said. Yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm Logan Sowash, and I'm Andy Carr, and this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. And on Odd Trilogies, we take a trio of film, we talk about each one, and we discuss the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. Usually these films are tied by director, cast, and crew, thematic elements, or just numerical. And today it is straightforward. It is numerical. We are talking about one of the only trilogies, if not the only trilogy, that writer-director Kevin Smith has under his belt. In Mm. honor of the most recent release of Clerks 3, we are talking about the Clerks trilogy. 1994's Clerks, 2006's Clerks 2, and wait for it, 2022's Clerks 3. (laughs) Yeah, this is, I mean, uh, here's the thing about this, and we'll go right into one, is that the thing about Clerks 1 is that at this point, it seems like probably most people who are listening to this episode will have some some indication of what Clerks is. If you don't, very sweet of you to listen to this episode. Thank you so much, (laughs) but... To kind of do Shout like out a, Emma. <laughs> or my or my girlfriend or too. Yeah. yeah. I mean like to a too long didn't read of Clerks. Clerks is a low budget early nineties uh indie comedy about two clerks at a grocery store and a video rental store that are right next to each other in New Jersey. It is written and directed by Kevin Smith. It was his first film. It was shot in the same convenience store he was working at at the very time he was shooting the film. Yeah. It is a film that is, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say it is a bit of a Gen X anthem in terms of films at the time. And also a staple of the 90s. Yeah, it's also a staple of, at that time, just indie directors Mm -hmm. taking hold with very counterculture stuff because... Clerks is counterculture. It yeah. is very much a film that feels... There weren't e- really movies that looked yeah. like that or sounded like that. Even though Smith himself admits that there are films that look like this and do this better yeah. than when he did it, it is very clear watching this film like, yeah, this is... The way that they're approaching this is very odd, but it feels like it's because no one's done this before. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard. I mean, if you're not... If you're not super familiar or haven't put yourself in the mindset of when the movie came out and the the filmmaking space when it came out, it can feel kind of like, well, this is sort of lame and mundane and badly made and stupid. And it's like, okay, fair. I mean, it's a cheap movie. But also, like, yeah, it made an impression because you weren't seeing movies like this at the time. And it's watching it now, it's still like, just shocking to be like, yeah, this film is really about nothing. It's really just about two. It's the Seinfeld movie. <laughs> yes, what everyone's been waiting for. But no, it's just like two men in their mid to late twenties, just a normal day in their life, and it's super mundane. Yeah. And a lot of the kind of action, quote unquote, in the narrative is coming from just conversations. It is yeah. coming from friends, uh, and randos coming through the stores. Yeah, and it's not insignificantly autobiographical at least the first one um, yes in that it's i mean kevin smith worked in the store that they shoot the movie yes. in yes you know he saw similar characters in his day-to-day life he wanted to blow his brains out working that job um and yeah it's i mean it's a lot he puts a lot of himself into those movies at least maybe more the first one and the third one than the second one but 
um, there's a lot of Kevin Smith in Clerks. Yeah. And I mean, with Clerks, it's pretty clear, too, because he's talked about, you know, their candles, characters like Randall. Yes. Who is played by Jay Anderson, who is like, I think, directly inspired by a specific person. But I think it's a mix of just like it was a character that is inspired by a friend, but also a lot of the best written stuff is for Randall. And so, of course, Kevin said he even wrote it for himself to an extent. Yeah. And then realized, you know, there were better options, which Jay Anderson was the better option, I think, in that regard. But yeah, ultimately, the original Clerks is a 90-minute film that is filled with conversation after conversation that just, like, has memorable moments. It literally starts with a chewing gum advocate, like a like a marketer, yeah. pretending to be, like, a anti-smoking Yeah, he's soapboxing guy. about all the cigarette smokers walking in and buying cigarettes. And he's yeah. like, you don't want to buy cigarettes. You want to buy gum because it's better for you. And then find Dante's girlfriend, Victoria? Uh, yeah, uh, oh, Veronica. Veronica, uh, thank you. Yeah. Yes, Veronica basically just outs him. And it's like, oh, this is already starting off. This is silly and fun. It also is still grounded enough that it doesn't feel insane. It yeah. doesn't feel like this isn't real. Like That definitely, no, th- yeah, that energy very, is good. Yeah, yeah like, very grounded, permeates. very like low-key, mundane in the way that life is mundane. Yeah. Plain, um, plain. But amplified to a degree to where it feels almost a little bit cartoonish just because all of the surplus of, you know, ridiculous characters passing through. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's just kind of a collection of, it's like a bunch of vignettes that all take place in one day. Yeah. Cause it was, in a store. I don't, I've store. not heard Smith say this out loud, but if, unsurprisingly, I think a lot of it is also inspired by Dante's divine comedy, which is why yeah. it's spliced up into several parts. Mm-hmm. And has, uh, yeah, the names of the, the chapters. Names of the are, chapters are kind of wild. Yeah, that kind of fits that because, of course, it's. I assumed it was Purgatorio or Purgatorio yeah. because it's like he's kind of in a purgatorial state, yeah. just being yeah. stuck in the grocery store. But I don't think it's. I think it's just a inspired by the Divine right. Comedy yeah. itself. I think and, another one of them, one of the chapters, is Malaise. Yes. Yeah. It's just again, it is a film that. We've had this before several times in past episodes where it's like, you know what Clerks is, is exactly what you think it is. It is definitely dated. Yeah. It is uh, definitely moments where, like, you can, like, even, not even the look screams low budget. To me, the real thing that screams low budget is the acting. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree. The acting is not awful, but it is clear, like, when you have an actor that is, like, Oh, I, I did this in high school once. Yeah, it's clearly and amateur. It's like, or it's like, I'm a friend of Kevin's, and I thought this would be pretty cool to be a yeah, part of this. There's like, just it's, that kind of stiltedness to all yeah. of the line deliveries. Which um, is not surprising, because like a lot of these people are Kevin. We're Kevin's friends yeah. at the time, and knew him, and literally his... Uh, his mother was is one of the she is the milkmaid yeah. in the film who checks all the dates of the milk to find the one that <laughs> might be different than the others. Right. And you know Jason Muse is a good is like a best friend to Kevin Smith still is, mm-hmm. and obviously is like not a fucking actor because he is pretty fucking bad. <laughs> in the it's pretty it's bad. It's pretty in the amazing how much he comes into the role of Jay in the later Kevin Smith oh, yeah. movies. Because oh, in yeah. this one, yeah, he's kind of awful because they know i mean because he doesn't know what he's doing yeah because honestly jay doesn't become jay in silent bob until like mall rats yeah chasing amy because that's another thing about clerks yes that is 
is wild is that Clerks is the first of nine films in Kevin Smith's cinematic universe. It's yeah. called the View Askew Universe because based off his of their production company. company is the or View Askew Productions. Yes, that, yeah. at the time. I think now it's Smodco. I think he's got yeah. a new one that he I think he did for two and three, but he just calls it View Askew Universe because, you know, the nostalgic value yeah. and just whatnot. But yeah, those films are, if I think off the top of my head, are Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Clerks 2, uh, Jay and Silent yeah. Bob Super Groovy Movie, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, and then now Clerks 3 yes. making it 9. I can't believe I missed did it. I didn't miss them. I always miss the animated one yeah. because... The viewers Universe yeah. graciously leaves out Tusk and Yoga Hosers. That is in its own thing. <laughs> That'll be finished off with Moose Jaws if Kevin Smith oh, ever yeah. makes that. He also said he'd make a Tusk too, which feels like a threat. Right. But I, I mean, but I, at the same time, Does, I know Kevin Smith. It's are those his only two non? No, uh, Red State. Oh and yeah, Jersey Red's... Girl. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a fun thing to have. What's what's Kevin Smith's non viewisk Universe films? Uh, we got <laughs> Jersey Girl, Red State, Tusk, and Yoga Hosers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a wonderful. I mean. The thing that's also just kind of wild about Clerks now, and we will talk about much more as we get into the other two films, because this is the early, this is the earliest we see Smith as an auteur. Mm-hmm. Because the thing too is like Kevin Smith, as a director, as a writer, he is a man mm-hmm. that has been through so many different eras, just in terms of fashion, persona, yeah. what he's interested in in terms of directing and writing, like. It's pretty clear in between Clerks and Clerks 2, it gets to a certain point where while he likes making Viewisk Universe films, he tries to branch out once, and then ultimately it fails harder than everything else he's ever done, and so he goes back to Clerks <sighs> 2. Yeah. Um, but Which is funny, because I, I think at this point, Jersey Girl is nowhere near his worst Mm-mm. film. It can't be worse than what we'll talk about later. <laughs> but like you know, with, with Clerks, it is just... You think about the film, you hear about it. It is a film that just, like, oozes the 90s. And I say that in yeah. an endearing way and not in a way that makes I, – I don't want to hear – I don't want my dad to hear this and shrivel up in age 10 years. I'm not saying the film still doesn't have its quirks. It does. It's dated for yeah. sure. But instead of a lot of the conversations, I do think that the conversations about 37 dicks is – hilariously childish <laughs> in a way that i don't think it was meant to be at the time right but i think it's really fun to watch these films and just be like while i don't think the intention overall was to have dante and randall almost be like two different sides of smith at that time point in his life it feels very much like anybody especially if you're a guy watching these films mm-hmm. you can watch randall and dante and see these as like two separate sides of a brain yeah and two different ways where it's like dante is pathetic <laughs> he is absolutely pathetic and it's very clear it's because he is in a rut it just doesn't he has a hard time being in a rut and not committing to things yeah which leads to him basically just openly talking about how he wants to cheat on his girlfriend mm-hmm. all the time and yeah. so when it comes back and bites him in the ass and it, you just he looks so shocked <laughs> you just can't help but be like I don't know what you expected. There's no pity. You literally like, were talking about doing that in front of customers at the convenience yeah. store. I don't know why you thought this would be any different. But, yeah. like it's, That is something that sets the first clerks apart from where the 
series goes is like oh, yeah. there is there's not a lot of like you don't come away from clerks with a lot of like empathy or emotional uh attachment to the characters because they're all just kind of either pieces of shit or cartoonishly absurd um, yeah randall is randall's an asshole randall's incredible because like hilarious yeah. that is someone who is over the top just straight up deranged at times yeah but you could clearly see elements of like this is why dante hangs out with this guy this is why people could find him endearing and right. interesting but also the things he say get <laughs> worse get worse in the right later films but in that first film is just like just quintessential gen x like roll my eyes like i don't give a shit lady like i just work here yeah energy and he it's just like just oh it's 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 a lot of fun to still watch it it i was yeah. worried because the thing too is like i i will be honest i have thought about doing this trilogy for a while and i just never brought it up to you because i just thought you wouldn't be interested yeah because i was like i don't know if he's ever seen clerks i don't think he likes kevin smith because <laughs> his recent stuff has not really been yeah, good the vast majority or i wouldn't say the vast but the majority of the, his filmography that i've seen has not really impressed me um i do like dogma um that's probably my favorite and um we'll get to clerks too but i actually really enjoyed that yeah um and I so yeah i was kind of interested just because you know clerks 3 was coming out and i was like why is there a clerks 3 uh <laughs> if we're ever going to talk about clerks now might as well be the time to do it and yeah, i had never seen clerks 1 or 2 until this episode yeah and this has been i think my second I think it's probably my third or fourth time with the original Clerks, and maybe almost ten plus times with two. Oh really? Two, I, I didn't mean, know two, you'd seen it that much. I don't. I mean, it feels like it because it's like watching two compared to one. Like in one, the big the big moment in one that it's hard to ever forget because the two big moments are Silent Bob's line. Yeah. You know, most women don't bring you lasagna. Most of the time, they cheat on you. <laughs> Where it's like, as a teenager, you hear that and go, "Whoa." Right. that's fucking profound yeah. which now you hear it and you Hashtag go like deep. yeah now you hear it and you go like i see where you're going for with that <laughs> and that good call good call i see where you're going but the second biggest thing if not the thing that i was like i cannot wait to see andy's response to this is there is a moment where um dante's ex who he wants to get back together with is it lisa i think that might be the actress's uh, name i don't think uh, it's lisa um oh god okay karen i think it was maybe, a k or it, something maybe we'll have to look Caitlin. that up but uh yeah his ex is totally down with getting back t- together with him and so of course he thinks of none of his repercussions at the time yeah and as he's going back home to basically get dressed for a impromptu date caitlin he, caitlin he kept... lisa spoon hour as caitlin Bruce. yes yeah. yes uh so when caitlin comes into the store she implies that dante and her had sex in the bathroom in the back of the convenience store and dante's like no i don't know what you're talking about yeah you find out that she accidentally slept with a dead body that was fully aroused yeah comes very out of left field really really dark it's set up and it's not like it's not set up but it's really just like when it does set up you do not expect that to be the punchline no yeah and you're like what the this very mundane movie about just kind of slackers hanging out living their life and then oh there's sex with a dead body in this and a girl is traumatized clerks 2 also has a moment like that but it's much more telegraphed in a way where it's like oh 
I think I know what the yeah, gag yeah, is yeah. here. And even then, when you find out, it's still fucking funny. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, we're, when, this guy's really committed. Uh, yeah. And by that point, that movie, too, has already been consistently more absurd the entire time. So yes. then when you get to that climactic gag, it's kind of like, yeah, this is par for the course. <laughs> but yeah, the film just takes that hard left turn very late in the game. Yeah. And by the time the film ends, it is like, yeah, this is clearly someone's first film with mm-hmm. a lot of passion. It is just a day in the life. No wonder a lot of people watched it and really resonated with him because it's like yeah. it was really interesting to see. Again, um, they will reference this a lot in Clerks 3. Um, there was not a lot of films about just like mundane jobs, like just working at a convenience right, store, talking yeah. about the people that work and live those mundane lives. So it's like seeing that be interesting was just catapulted smith into a place of Mm -hmm. just like in the 90s and early 2000s he just starts playing with like starts going goofier and i would say even more interesting and i would say better with uh mall rats Mm -hmm. again haven't seen it in a while (laughs) it's definitely aged i know for a fact yeah um, but you get pervy old man Stan Lee in that. You also get Michael Rooker, oh, uh, yeah. an early Michael Rooker with like a really gross moment that is like <laughs> you know it's probably the most of the gross out moments in that film. You also get Jason Lee as the like the quintessential like older brother vibe of just like that guy's super cool and now you're an adult and you go, no he's not. <laughs> yeah. Why did I ever think that? It's like all he does is play Sega in his mom's basement. <laughs> I thought he was so cool as a high schooler. Uh, Good lord. But then you got that. You got Chasing Amy. You got Dogma. And then you get Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which is it's a good thing to bring up now because this is, I believe, in my mind, as, as the amount of Kevin Smith films I've seen, at this point, this is the first time Smith makes a film that is entirely dedicated to referencing, you know, all of the kind of the paraphernalia, all the locales that people would know from his own films. Yeah. And that's like six, seven years after Clerks One. <laughs> like the film is about, you know, it has Dante, it has Randall, it has the quick stop, it has Jason Lee playing two separate characters because he plays, you know, he plays Brody in this film. He plays, he's in Chasing Amy and Mallrats and yeah. separate different people. You have Ben Affleck playing his character in Chasing Amy, as well as just Ben Affleck. You have all these things in Jay and Silent Ball Strike Back where it's like, this is a film that I can see someone going like, oh, I don't like this, <laughs> and I don't know why. And then like I, then you watch it as a fan of his earlier stuff and go, I'm really enjoying this and think this is very funny. But I will also admit that's probably because this is just very cameo-ridden yeah super silly just over the top and that's enough for me i guess (laughs) and from that point forward the reason why it's good to bring that up is because later on in his career he kind of starts doing more films like that yeah but thankfully thankfully after jay and silent bob strike back he looks like he wants to put those characters kind of at rest because the biggest thing to come out of clerks is by far jay and silent bob yeah they become I mean, just like Clerks as a movie, those two become kind of mascots of the Gen X and 90s malaise and all that. Um, It it makes Kevin Smith, it gives the face to the name because he plays Silent Bob. 
and puts a lot of he puts a lot of personality in Silent Bob for being yeah. very mute. Jason Muse, again, similar to like Randall and Dante, is such Jay is such a despicable idiot, <laughs> but he's just such a he's a blast because Jason Muse is putting just primal energy. Yeah, he's like just, oblivious to the world. He literally yells, "I'll fuck anything that moves" multiple <laughs> times, yeah. and it's like this guy is insane i would never i would walk around him if he was in everywhere near my vicinity at a grocery yeah. store or a, a gas station but there's something about him i can't not be a little amused by him <laughs> like this is how big jay and silent bob are when we watched clerks 3 together handy's girlfriend didn't know that jay and silent bob came from clerks so when they showed up she went <laughs> why are jay and silent bob and clerks <laughs> because they're clerks characters she didn't know. Yeah. That's how big they got. Yeah, they're so, way bigger than the movie itself. So I think at a certain point, Smith stops doing those films because literally in the 90s, it's just viewers universe, viewers universe, just keep adding films that are just yeah. like him playing around with the idea of doing something maybe a little bit more serious, but still with a bigger budget, like Chasing Amy, mm-hmm. or something where it's like with Dogma, where it's much more supernatural, yeah. weirder, but like definitely play with a lot of elements that could go either way hmm. and then you do something like jay and silent bob where it's just a full-blown stoner comedy to an extent that's entirely about kevin smith characters yeah with some can with a bunch of cameos mm-hmm. you literally get two of the three leads from star wars you get carrie fisher yeah. and mark hamill at a certain yeah. point no if harrison ford was in a kevin smith <laughs> film that would be funny uh lose my mind because there's no way they could get him maybe kevin smith will be in indiana jones 5 i'm shaking my head (laughs) i i i could not i would love it if james mangold tried to sell that to harrison (laughs) ford about that but after doing jay inside the bob strike back you know there is the clerks animated series that's right uh aired on abc (laughs) in 2000 for a single season Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. It's also funny, too, because this is a random factoid. I don't even know if Andy knows this, but, like, there's a scene in the original Clerks where Dante and Randall shut down the store so they can go to a eulogy. And it's not filmed because, like, low budget. The stuff that they talk about that happened in that, like, scene, it's clear, like, there's no way they could get access to a funeral home at the time they could and get this Yeah, there's, like, a body that gets dumped. Yeah, I'm... If I remember correctly, they animate and do that entire scene in the oh, Clerks wow. the Animated Series, but like it's not a part of the show. It was like entirely like a special feature thing. <laughs> because of the show, they couldn't curse. Oh, it was on ABC. ABC yeah. and so it had to be much sillier, what a weird, goofier. Yeah. What a weird place to put a Clerks show. Because <laughs> yeah. initially, because like we were doing research for this, I thought, like, oh, it's got to be MTV, right? That just screams an MTV right. cartoon. Yeah. Like, now after Beavis and Butthead, Clerks. Like, it really just kind of has that vibe to it and reruns and whatnot. But no, apparently ABC. But So you got a Clerks animated series. You got, like, several films in the VSQ universe. It's clear that I would say Kevin Smith is like, I want to do something that is entirely disconnected, but it's something out of my wheelhouse that I think would really be good and have a good time with. And also with my good friend Ben Affleck, Jersey Girl. Yep. At the time when that film comes out, even if you weren't a big Kevin Smith fan at the time, most people fucking hated that film. <laughs> Apparently, it was just disgusted enough that, like, literally Smith, for a good proportion of his persona, when he would do tours and stuff, would just constantly make fun of himself for doing that film. Yeah. 
So, of course, he does one film that's outside the Venus universe, and it flops. So, of course, he comes up with the probably the best idea in terms of, like, oh, let's do, if I did a Clerks 2, it would be this. Which, apparently, I think was based off of an old script that he basically pitched at the time as, like, you know, Clerks and Fast Food, which is what Clerks 2 is. Yeah. And, and so, we get 2006's Clerks 2, which is basically, the Quick Stop convenience store has been burned down because <laughs> randall forgot to turn off the coffee pot yeah so what we have is our two slackers working at a movies which is the kevin smith version of like a mcdonald's yeah like a fast food start it showed up in other viewers universe films it's in jay and silent bob it's in, it's in dogma. dogma um and has it yeah basically one of the big transitions presentationally in clerks 2 is the movie is loaded with Viewisk Universe stuff, because by that point, the Viewisk Universe had become the Viewisk Universe. And everything that um, Kevin Smith's been told at that point, both by media, both by fans, is like, this is what we like. Yeah. We like this from you. Yeah. So, so he, of course, do- he goes all in in Clerks 2 and, you know, has a bunch of familiar faces show up. He's got movies in there. He's got all sorts of references to yeah. things. Um, you get Jason. You got Jason Lee playing his third character, <laughs> yeah. or fourth. I can't remember. Yeah. But like, yeah, his fourth character in the Viewisk universe. You have Ben Affleck making a cameo. Yeah, very brief as a customer. Um, you have his wife, right? You have, uh, and she plays Dante's wife ex, or wife or to Beyonce, be Beyonce. Yes. Beyonce. Yeah. You have you have a better cast. You have more cast. You have. Rosario Dawson, Trevor Furman, who saves this film in a way. Like, I <laughs> he mean, is a highlight, is, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, Trevor Furman is Elias, who is a Jesus freak that works with Dante and Randall. And, of course, because of just how much of a clear-cut, pure boy that he is, Randall is trying to corrupt him yeah. every single time. So he's like their little lackey who uh, Randall is having a horrible influence on he's also the best comedic relief in a lot of places especially yeah. for dante and randall because he's hilarious there, there are moments in this film where like i don't remember punchlines, but i remember his face <laughs> yeah where it's like there is a whole conversation in clerks 2 about going ass to mouth mm-hmm I bet that was very funny for anyone listening to that me trying to be as serious as possible saying going ass to mouth. And it's just a whole conversation about like Randall is a pervert, basically yeah. dating barely legal adults. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, like 17 year olds. I think he yeah. says specifically, cause I assume it's legal in New Jersey. Cause I do not know why you would put that specifically right. unless you're just trying to show how, much of a sleazeball Randall is, but talks about how the kids these days will do anything freaky. They'll even go ass to mouth. Right. Which leads to what I think is the funniest part of this conversation. Elias's horrified face Mm -hmm. as he hears just a horrible thing, such as Randall Graves talk about ass to mouth. (laughs) And that's like a lot of this film where it's like, if you get Elias with a response, like there's also, the big, uh, I guess, quote unquote, controversial scene later down the line. The you have racial Elias. slur. No, scene, no, the... I'm talking about Kinky Kelly. And the oh, sexy Kinky stud. Kelly. Yes. That that is like that's supposed to be like the dead guy in the back. Right. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. And that scene is again is very much like wow we're really doing this we're still going for this 
they are trying their best to get an NC-17. This is kind of wild. I didn't expect that from this film. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Elias's I'm Sorry Jesus is yep. just a cherry on top. Of just a <laughs> hilariously just wild, gross-out scene. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... which I mean, Andy kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but, like, we both really enjoy this film. I would yeah. say it's the best of the three. Yeah, for sure. I'm not. I would say that it's not a huge step. Yeah, but I think it's enough to be like this film feels like Smith is a better director. He's a better yeah. writer. There's just a lot more going on in the the presentation, yeah. and obviously, I mean, the narrative takes a bit more of a conventional approach, probably yes. just because kevin smith has you know made more movies at this point and he's realizing what works for him and what he can do and it plays a lot more like kind of your typical 2000s studio comedy except in the fact that he kind of you know goes into some territory that most of those movies wouldn't for a film where kevin smith seems like he's really trying to push the envelope rating wise clerks 2 feels like more of like a studio friendly version of the first clerks yeah in a lot of ways. It's like R-rated Good Burger or something. Oh my. That is... <laughs> that is a wild thing to say, but also I see where you're coming from and I get it. Don't think it's entirely wrong, but at the same time. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, But yeah, the, the characters also, like, they go undergo more, like, emotional arcs. Oh, yeah. um, like Randall actually has this kind of, you know, uh, endearing arc where he's like, you know, I, I, he's basically need, has to confess uh, to Dante how much he needs him and how much, you know, their life together means to him. And Dante has this whole hang up with, okay, do I go, you know, do the things I'm supposed to do in life because people tell me that I'm supposed to, or do I do stay where I'm at and do the things that make me happy? Um, so there's act, there's more going on here than in the first film, which is kind of just a series of sequences. And in this, it all feels like a little bit more of a journey. Um, well, it also helps, too, that added to the cast is Rosario Dawson. Yes. Who I try to remember what her name is and even Googled it right now. And I, I can't find it. Becky. Yeah. Why'd I even Bex. look it up? Yes. That's right. Because Randall makes fun of Dante for calling her Bex. But in Clerks 2, again, it follows the formula of Clerks to a T. All, all the way to the point where Dante is basically got two dates to the prom, yeah. scenario-wise. Yeah. Where it's like, in the first film, it's Veronica and... Caitlin. I'm, Caitlin, thank you. <laughs> and then the second one, it is Emma and Becky. Yeah, Emma's his fiance and Becky's yeah. his manager, who he's been having sex with in the kitchen after work. I think one time. Yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. like very recently uh, yeah. one time. And like with Emma... It is his fiance who has a rich family. They're planning on moving to Florida. The big part of Clerks 2 is it's supposed to be Dante's last day. And it's pretty clear that while Emma is into Dante, she's also into the fact that Dante is aimless and yeah, is very much taking advantage of, just, of that. Yeah, she can kind of just railroad him onto whatever path she wants. Yeah, she can fix him, mm-hmm. which is definitely very healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you ultimately have. Again, a situation where Dante has to choose, if he wants to, because in Clerks 1, he does choose, but again, it doesn't work out because he's an asshole. Right. And then in this, and also like Andy said, 
Randall has a bit more of an arc too, because Randall now in his thirties, while he's still talking about nasty shit, trying to get under the skin of anyone who likes Lord of the Rings over Star Wars, you know, yeah. very much speaking about speaking stuff that Kevin Smith at the time was talking about. Apparently that Lord of the Rings bit is entirely pulled from like a Kevin Smith conversation, yeah, like a conversation, yeah. like on tour and whatnot. But Randall is definitely has that vibe of like he knows he's in his thirties and he's still doing the sh- same shit he did in his twenties. Yeah, what does that mean? Right, and it really doesn't come into fruition in terms of like it bothering him until they run into Jason Lee, who is at the time to show the era basically sells his delivery company to Amazon, <laughs> and because Amazon, you know, in case you don't know, Amazon at the time is not. The Amazon we know today, right, unsurprisingly. Yeah. So, which, of course, Randall constantly calls him Pickle Fucker. Yes. Because <laughs> there's a whole story about Jason Lee and a pickle. But it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, Jason Lee is like, yeah, I'm better than you. Also, I'm not a clerk. Fuck you. <laughs> and that really gets under Randall's skin. So it just comes out with more of a vulnerability that you get of Randall in the first yeah. film. Because in the first film, it's really Randall being like, God, you're such... A bore. You're so annoying, Dante. You mm-hmm. you're totally fine. Quit it. Shut up. Yeah. Well, as in two, it's like, like Andy said, he's like, I have lived my entire life with you, and you're just leaving, and we never talked about this. Right. Which is like, I mean, Clark's two, the last, I would argue, the best stuff in the entire trilogy, is the last ten to fifteen minutes of Clark's two. Yeah. Like from the prison yeah. cell Randall onwards. Randall has like a monologue in the when they get yeah. go to prison that's really great dante's and, got some good subtle moments it's very clear that i think jay anderson's a better actor yeah than brian o'halloran but like <laughs> i will say uh, this is being uh kind of uh, hyperbolic of course but brian o'halloran doesn't really act in these movies until clerks three when it, the script finally demands it of him yeah um he's kind of just He's got the very perfunctory dialogue and delivers gets, it in the way that he knows how, and it's fine. He gets the catchphrases. Yeah. He gets, if Jace, if Jay gets, like, snoochie-boochies and I'll yeah. fuck anything that moves, yeah. Dante gets, like, I'm not even supposed to be here today, or yeah. 37 dicks? 37? Yeah. Like, he's got all these lines that are, like, ingrained into people who watch these films over and over of course the one line that is ingrained in my brain when i think of dane dante is you never go ass to mouth the way he says that he says it like he's trying to save his friend from dying (laughs) and but yeah he is very clear that like brian is not doing a bad job as dante but is clearly not the one excelling compared to elias or even rosario dawson who's not given a lot but is give is given a lot of just uh personality in yeah. the role in the line she's given and you know she with, she is somebody who's like the actor is bringing a lot to the role yes whereas oh yeah you know like dante is all in the script and yeah yeah it's, i mean it's clear too that it's the script as well at times with rosario dawson because there are times and i'm not going to say it because it's 2006 and it was more appropriate than it is now but it's like <laughs> A lot of homophobic slurs. Oh, yeah. So it's like, you know, Rosario Dawson will say something that's like, ah, pretty gay, huh? And it's like, oh, yeah, Kevin Smith wrote this in 2007. Yeah. Like, I in remember the early 2000s. when people talked like that. Yeah. Speaking of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's definitely not the worst of it. Yeah. We're, we, I, we will not talk into detail because it is hard to talk about this scene in detail without saying 
there's some horrible things. Yeah. There's a sequence but, in which Randall uses a racial slur, not realizing that it's a racial slur, and is vehemently opposed to the idea that it is a racial slur and when confronted by people of color who tell him that it's a racial slur he basically argues with him is like no you know what i'm reclaiming this term and i'm gonna make it my own you know what's funny and i think it really shows how well you can edit something is that he does say that and also he tapes the slur on the back of his jersey <laughs> yeah he writes it on the back yeah because his... he wants to take it back I didn't realize. I think I've seen this film a couple many times on cable. I uh-huh. never realized that like they absolutely edited that in post out. Like what the the slur out of off his shirt. In what? Like in Clerks Two on like Comedy Central on cable. Oh, on TV. Yeah. Like you just it would just say for life rather than like <laughs> the slur. Yeah. And I just never realized that like watching it on TV because it's like I knew what it said because I'd seen yeah, it originally. Right. But yeah, but it also shows in that scene. Well, that scene made both Andy and I just go, oh, my God, I don't know how to respond to this. I'm losing it. Like, but it is a pretty fucking funny scene. It's funny because it's like it shows how good of a writer Smith can be and yeah. how good of an actor Anderson is because both of them just sell that, that Randall is Randall's not. Randall's a doofus. Yeah, Randall is totally not racist. He's just a fucking idiot. Yeah. And it's, like, and it's funny because the, the big punchline of that whole bit is like, they go like, Randall, I'm pretty sure your grandmother was just racist. And they go, no, he, she just, actually, come to think of it, I think she was yeah. a little bit racist. And it's like this long scene that it's like this long winding road that is just getting to the scene. And it's like, I can't believe they got away with this. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad they did because I will never forget this scene. Yeah, and it's that, not. That scene is maybe the one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah, because it just catches you off guard. But like. Yeah. After the initial it, it shock. It catches you off guard, and then it just keeps leaning into it for, like, ten minutes. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. It's one of those scenes, too, where it's like, I can't believe I completely forgot about that scene. But I also didn't forget about, like, Wanda Sykes and Earthquake right. being the couple yeah. that are there. And so, like, when it gets to that scene, I'm like, they keep constantly cutting to Wanda and Earthquake. They're, they're funny people, but, like, why are they going to keep doing that? And then they get pulled into the conversation yeah. on accident. And it leads to, oh, yes, that's what this is about. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, with Clerks, too, it's like it has that. It has the the big, you know, gross out. Like, it was teased a lot in the trailers, but you mm. never knew what it was because a lot of the trailers had, like, the scene where Rosario Dawson shows up to the big climactic moment. And it's like, what is going on? This is so disgusting, but I can't look away. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is that? What does that mean? And then you watch the film, and it is basically Randall is trying to give Dante a going away present. So, of course, what have we told you already about Randall? What do you think he does? He thinks, oh, maybe it would be cool for my buddy Dante, who's you know never shown interest in what I'm about to say. But what if I hire a woman to commit bestiality? Yeah. Have sex with a donkey. Like would that would he like that? I think he would. I'm ordering that. And then the big twist is uh Kinky Kelly and the sexy stud. Kelly is the donkey. The sexy stud is a man who has sex with a donkey. Yes. And it's it a is bestiality show. It's a bestiality show. You don't see it happen, but they right. really 
they really toe the line as to what they can show <laughs> to the point where like there's a certain certain shot where I went, I can't believe they got away with that. That is very explicit without showing nothing. And ultimately it leads to the best stuff in the film, which is basically the Dante and Randall reconvening mm-hmm. and just, you know, talking to one another and trying to figure out what they want to do. And, you know, Randall just admitting that like, you know what? I like to quit stop. I got to hang out with my friend, not give a shit about customers, watch movies, and just live my life, which is, yeah, nothing, but at the same time, it is what it is. Yeah. And so it's like they discover that Jay and Silent Bob have an ass load of money, <laughs> and they're willing to give it away just as long as they can hang out in front of, of the, the store. store. Like they always do, because that's their new thing. Yeah. Well, that's not their new thing. They love doing that. That's what they've always done. Yeah. So they've always done. So they give... They give Randall and Dante $50,000 to renovate, quick stop, Mm -hmm. put it back together. Dante uh, gets engaged to Becky because Becky is also pregnant with Dante's Uh, kid. And so, and it's like, and that's, I think one of the best parts about the film too in that final act is Dante has to make a choice and he admits to himself that he would only be with Emma. Like Emma is, again, Emma is it's it's always sell, sold in the film that like they are a good match. Mm-hmm. Like she's not horrible for him. Like she's not super toxic, but it's pretty clear it's just, he's just kind of going along with it. Yeah, the power dynamic is vastly in the favor of Emma, while as between Becky and Dante, it's much more even. Mm-hmm. Where it's like Becky doesn't believe in love, but Dante does, and at a certain point he just goes like, "I think you do," and it's okay, even if you don't. Like I want to be with you. And it leads to, I think Becky does say, I love you too, Dante, at one mm-hmm. point. I think it's during the Kiki Kelly and the Sexy Stead <laughs> yeah. scene, which is why it's probably so like mixed in with everything else. But at the end, Dante and Randall get the quick stop. It ends with them just, you know, chilling out, really just being like, do you hear that? Yeah. That's the future. And it, and it like, uh, it just kind of like zooms out. And I think it actually yeah, it, like dollies out and it goes into black and white again. Yeah. And Clerks 2, to me, even though the film is like a strong seven, seven mm-hmm. and a half out of ten, like right. I just I remember the ending being extremely strong, one of the best parts of that film. And I still believe that. I still yeah. think Clerks 2 as an ending is like this is a duology that never needs to be touched again. This is just if you want to, hope it's good enough. But I think the way that it ends, it's very satisfying in a way where it's like Listen, you don't have to ha- live your life to hit some certain goal. If you are happy, you are loved, and you are content with the stuff that you do, even if it's considered mundane, go for it. Yeah, it's and, a it's a good message. Yeah, and and so there you have it, the clerk's duology. Good night, folks. Now it's time to talk about what happens <laughs> afterwards. So clerks. Now, now we're doing a prequel. Um, yeah. <laughs> Clerks 2 is about, I believe, $7 million in yeah. 2006. Makes about $26 million. It makes about a quarter of that on top of that through DVD rental, like mm. movie rentals. It is a big hit for Smith. Critically, like a lot of Smith's films, it's like in the 60s, 70s out of 100. Yeah. But fans really dig Clerks 2. At the time, I feel like it is like, I think retroactively people have been like, ah, Clerks 2 just didn't really hit the same way yeah, one Yeah, the first did, one still kind of holds the highest status Which I, I understand nostalgia-wise, but yeah. again, 
if you rewatch one and two back to back, it really is just night and day in a lot of places yeah. where it's like, man, Dude, Smith it's just so much more fun. Yeah, Smith got better in twelve years as a writer and a director. It, it's very clear in that film. And so after Clerks two, it's always constantly teased for the longest time in Smith's career. I'll do a Clerks three when it feels like it. Maybe when they're in their fifties, I'll do a Clerks three <laughs> when the idea comes to me. I'll do a Clerks yeah. three. He yada, goes and yada. does other stuff. He does. He does uh, Tusk. He does Red State, which oh, yeah, is Red by State. far the most un-Kevin Smith film Kevin <laughs> Smith film has ever made. It's also probably his most interesting cinematography-wise, ah. writing-wise. Doesn't mean it's You've great. Seen it? I've seen it. Okay. It is basically like a. It's like three guys get pulled in on like a. They want to do a foursome with a woman and it turns out they get basically catfished and drugged and get pulled in as like sacrifices for like an extreme Westboro Baptist church situation led by the actor's name escapes me, but it's the old man from Tusk. If you know what I mean? Uh, Uh, The old man who wants to turn Justin Long into a walrus. Yes. That guy is like the head of the Westboro Baptist church. John Goodman's also in the film. Yeah. He also did cop out, which isn't good. Uh, which is weird to think of. And also, the best part about Cop Out is him talking about making Cop Out because the big thing about Cop Out is that Bruce Willis gave so less of a shit that Kevin Smith was scared shitless the entire time making it. (laughs) And, yeah, he does that. He does uh, that Tusk, which Tusk is a transition for Smith. Tusk yeah. is the first time I think it's really clear to people outside of fans of Smith that this man is a persona. Right. Like, he's always been a persona. But I think it's a lot of people that, like, were good, big fans of him. Constantly watched all of his stuff, mm-hmm. read anything. Like, was a big internet guy. Still is a big internet guy. Basically makes his living off of being an internet yeah, personality. He's practically just a geek pundit now. Almost more than a director. What, you don't cry every time you see a DC trailer? Or a Marvel or... trailer, yeah. No, I mean, because that's an en- another interesting thing about it is, like, you know, Kevin Smith in the 90s is very much like that Gen X counterculture guy. Yeah. And in 2006, Kevin Smith is very much a guy that is like, I liked all this nerdy shit back in my day, and now it's getting popular. You know mm-hmm. what? I was the first, for, I was the first like to like it. it. Yeah. A little bit more of a gatekeeper then. And then 2010s, Kevin Smith is just like, yeah, he's like full in on geek culture. Full in on geek culture is a personality through and through. Reacts to every bit of news and trailers and stuff. And he, he goes from like, uh, nothing says better where he goes in terms of like his evolution as a person. That like he references comic books in that first Clerks. He yeah. talks about DC and stuff. He talks about comics and mall rats as a big comic book guy. And then like. In the 2010s, like late 2010s, when they're making like a DC animated film about the Teen Titans, he cameos in the film as himself. Right. Like interviewing Beast Boy. Yeah. Like that's where he is now. He is now. He's that much a part of geek culture. He has become less writer director Kevin Smith <laughs> and more internet personality and geek yeah. fanboy Kevin Smith. He also. Geek exec- Entertainment's Anderson Cooper. Also executive produces Comic Book Men. Right. For AMC, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is based off of, I think, his uh, Jay and Silent Bob Secret Stash, mm-hmm. a real comic book store that I think is still there today. I think today. it's still in business, yeah. He just becomes, he becomes a man that is like, if there is, if there is a real Kevin Smith we are not seeing, it is entirely on purpose and he doesn't want to see it. Because the man is constantly 
just in the spotlight yeah. talking about things. And it's, yeah, it almost feels like like whenever he announces a new movie, it's kind of like, a, oh, oh, he's going to, okay, he's back to doing movies. I thought he was just an yeah, internet guy now. <laughs> it's similar to the, the jump from Jersey Girl to Clerks 2. After Red State kind of doesn't really go anywhere, unfortunately. Red State for was him. 2011. I think so. Yeah. He does a podcast. He has a podcast. On that podcast, he pitches an idea of how silly it would be about a man being, like, captured and drugged and transformed into a walrus. Yes. Basically through a, a skin suit. And <laughs> he loves the idea so much as he's talking about it on his podcast that he decides to pitch it as a film. Yep. And it becomes a film. And it's a film. <laughs> it's not good. It but has its supporters. It's clear that the supporters show, especially the Smith, that he has a fan base. Yeah. He's always had a fan base, but because of the internet, that fan right. base, like most fan bases, even when they shouldn't be, are more vocal now than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. So when he does something like Tusk and it does well and it's super like does well enough for his fans, he goes, you know what? I've always wanted to make I want to make this a trilogy, a Canada trilogy. <laughs> I'm gonna make Yoga Hosers. Yoga Hosers is what I've heard from all. I've never seen yeah, it because I've heard it's a it dog shit film. There are some supporters of that film out there. Oh yeah, I think it's considered his worst film. I mean, at that's the, time. the thing is as. Kevin Smith has kind of tried other things in this sort of later chapter in his career. His fans who have stuck with him have become that much more kind of uh, adamant about enjoying and singing the praises of his films. So even his films that most people agree are kind of terrible, they still have a staunch group of supporters. And then goes from Yoga Hosers to what I think really leads to, I think there are two things that lead into clerks three yeah first is jay and silent bob reboot right 2019 i think so 2020 2019 2020 where it's like i don't think it's necessarily crowdfunded but it's very low budget it does these it does like a festival kind of limited release route where it's like hey we're coming to your city with this night only get tickets yeah and it works incredibly well it's a kevin smith cameo fest yes it's like jay and silent bob strike back but the sequel yeah and or i guess technically the third film because there's that super groovy right, movie in yeah. between but the other thing that really just kind of changes the trajectory of clerks 3 on top of that i think comes after comes before reboot right which is his massive heart attack mm-hmm. before, Man almost died it almost died when he was on tour he right before a show has a massive heart attack called a Widowmaker, which it said in clerks 3 it kills 80% of the people that have it. Yeah. So he is lucky to survive. He It's a traumatic experience because it really just redefines how you live your life, how you want to live it, what do you want to do with the rest of the time you still have with it, if, you, if that's a possibility to have another heart attack like that again. And so it leads him to have a much more optimistic, much, much different lifestyle than he had prior to that. Yeah. It also leads him to basically scrap the current clerks three that he was writing and basically rewrite clerks three to be a catharsis of that traumatic experience right and so what we get in clerks three is a combination (laughs) of his 
cathartic kind of, you know, deconstruction of what happened to him, but through the eyes of Randall, as he's the one that has the Widowmaker in the film. Which is interesting because Dante has kind of served as the Kevin Smith analog in prior entries. You would think so, yes, but I guess Randall is just much more interesting to him sure, i don't know whatever, sure. whatever i mean and he is and also jay anderson's a better actor so he probably knew he could saddle him with that responsibility but the second part of this film is in response to randall having a widowmaker heart attack because yeah, that's like the premise that's not like the climax that is no what sets everything off is he has a heart attack the premise is Randall and Dante are still at Quick Stop. They still own it. They're still running it. Yeah. Elias is still with them. He goes from movies to Quick Stop at the end of Clerks 2. Randall has a heart attack. He survives it. He's told how his odds were very slim, so it really changes his look on life, and decides that he wants to make a movie. And that movie is Clerks. This is a film that Mm -hmm. is is not just a cathartic kind of like look on the traumatic experience smith went through when he went through his heart attack it's also a meta retelling of the process of making clerks in the 90s but it's a nostalgia trip it's a nostalgia trip so just to clarify before we get more into this in case it's not clear spoilers abound this movie just came out yeah. Uh, you might not be able to see it by the time this comes out because, again, it's doing a limited release run. So right. it might be later on, maybe in video on demand. You'll get to watch it if you're yeah. interested and you can't, if you can't get a ticket. But to be cut and dry, <sighs> Clerks 3 is fucking terrible. It is. It's a mess. It Just is It is a film that... Kind of joyless, too. <laughs> yeah. The thing, though, is like when the trailer first came out, I was cautious. But I was a bit optimistic because uh-huh. I was like, this is Clerks 3. Even Smith knows he has to have probably his A game for this film. Yeah. Because this is the this is going to be the end of a possible trilogy unless this is going to be the start of a new run of Clerks films. This is basically going to be like a return to form in some sense for him. Yeah. It's not. It really is just like the worst elements of the last few Kevin Ooh, Smith yeah. films have come together and now have sullied what goodwill Clerks had gotten yeah. from that point forward. It has the vibe of, like, like it kind of feels like he forgot how to make movies. <laughs> um, it also feels like he doesn't like Clerks 2, or doesn't understand, like, right. his decisions for Clerks 2 really just he, changed the characters for the better. Yeah, and then he steamrolls that stuff in 3, ignores most of it, and then relapses back into Clerks 1. And it's like, why? It's a film that just ultimately loses track of what makes a Clerks film a Clerks film while it's about Clerks making a Clerks film. Yeah, while also being a shameless tribute to Clerks films. Because going into Clerks 3, there are multiple different avenues you could take it if you just... Even the basic ideas where it's like, Dante was going to have a child named Grace. What is Dante like as a dad? That alone, I think, is enough to be yeah. like, because that apath that apathetic twenty year old in that kind of indecisive thirty year old. Right. How was he in his late forties, early fifties when he has to be the adult? Mm-hmm. He has to know. He has to at least pretend like he knows everything. Yeah. 
Like, how does that look, especially if his daughter at that point is like 13, 14? Mm-hmm. That changes everything. Like, that makes it, that makes the comedy almost seem like it's built in because it's a teenage girl that's just going to be trying to constantly break down her father, <laughs> played by Dante. Yeah. And ultimately, what happens is there is no Rosario Dawson in the way that you think it is. There is no Dante yeah. having a child because Smith writes. <laughs> <laughs> Don writes Rosario Dawson's character out, kills her via drunk driver while she's still pregnant in universe off screen prior to the events of the movie. And so if you've seen Rosario Dawson in any of the trailers, oh, she's in it, but as a ghost (laughs) only seen through Dante's eyes. Yeah. If there's any more clear indication that they just couldn't get her for a bigger role, like she's now bigger than ever. She's fucking Ahsoka Tano from right. Star Wars universe. Yeah. She has her own TV show now. Like, if it's it's if it hasn't been any more clear that someone is busy, it is when you take all the potential, all the goodwill you give a character, and you destroy it. Yeah, you destroy all the interesting stuff you could do with Dante in that regard. You destroy all the happiness that he does kind of deserve. He's not, he doesn't deserve to be constantly punished. He gets he should be punished for the repercussions of his actions you know if he's cheating on somebody of course he should get kicked in the balls or kicked the shit out of by veronica in the first film like yeah he should get some repercussions for things like that but ultimately he doesn't deserve every single thing in his life to be stripped away from him (laughs) like it does in clerks 3 because in clerks 3 dante is just unbearable and not even as like performance wise it is just it is unbearable to watch this character just have nowhere to go. Yeah, he's just a sad sack. He is miserable. He's pathetic and has no direction. Only to lead to what I guess is Smith's version of like the climactic, like you didn't think we'd go this far scene, where instead of it being like a gross out thing with a donkey or like, you know, a, a super dark comedic, like dead body yeah do we want to definitively say right here like this is official full-blown spoiler territory is that where you're going yeah okay i thought sorry i thought that was very clear we kind of tiptoed around it earlier so i would say yes since this is a new movie now would be a good time to stop listening i said spoilers abound i believe before if i didn't a lot of spoilers are about to hit (laughs) right now a very crucial spoiler which is dante dies Yes. Dante also has a heart attack and just wants to die. He's fine. Yeah. He basically is content with how Randall's film turns out, even though it's not finished. Well, yeah, he he goes off on Randall while they're shooting a scene. Which is uh, in this, such a good scene. It is a very, it's a well, I mean, from Brian O'Halloran, it's his best performance in the trilogy. Um, he gives this really emotional rant at Randall about how basically Randall's just always been inconsiderate of him and never given a shit about what is going on in Dante's mind and the things he's having to deal with and the things he's had to give up and put aside and all of the stuff he's put up with from Randall. Um, and he just kind of lets it all explode. They're doing a scene from Clerks One and the argument that's in the script explodes into a real life argument and uh yeah dante says all these awful things gets super worked up and angry and passes out and has a heart attack 
which is which is foreshadowed in the film because it says like if you and Randall have been the same diet, right? Possibly you you will have you will have a heart attack as well. Yeah. And of course, it comes back to that. And it's also the fact that like the scene is yeah, it is probably the best acting from Brian O'Halloran as Dante in the entire trilogy yeah. in terms of like the amount of energy he's putting into it. Like he is playing Dante as just completely broken and done. Uh-huh. He's like it. Basically, it just seems like at a certain point Dante could just say meta wise, "I don't want to do Clerks anymore," <laughs> and it would fit with how the performance is going. Yeah, but it also it just kind of diminishes it because at the same time, right. what leads to this scene is just another shot for shot, but a worse version of it recreation of the big moment where Randall basically calls Dante a coward in the first film. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like the reason why it's happening this time and why it's such an emotional moment is because while it is entirely dialogue from the first Clerks film, calling Dante a coward now is just even worse and also is so uncalled for because the man is going through trauma and depression and sadness, everything under the sun because he has to be constantly reminded of like, oh yeah, the woman that I loved and my daughter that I was really excited to be a father for uh, got taken away from me way too early. And I don't know how to process that because you're my best friend, Randall, and you're kind of unbearable in this yeah. film. Uh, yeah, and that basically, I think that rant is his last words to Randall because I don't think he wakes up, does he? Nope. Um, and then he's hospitalized and Randall shows him the cut of his movie that he made and it's literally just they play clips from clerks one they do Um, because the whole thing it's supposed to be again this is the moment that like if we were in a a theater full of kevin smith super fans this is the part where yeah everyone would be bawling right because including kevin smith if he was in the theater with (laughs) us because that's it's it's supposed to be a big emotional moment yeah they've been recreating clerks like scenes from the first movie for randall's film and then when they play back those scenes here at the end they just play the actual scenes from clerks because it's like oh it's like we're traveling back in time that's how randall sees the the movie yeah Yeah. um and he shows it to a basically comatose uh dante laying in bed dante watches it and he has his like in his head he's in a movie theater with becky yes and they're kind of watching it together and he's like, you know what? I've already lived all this. I I trust that Randall told the story yeah. right. I don't need to see the ending. Yeah. I know where it goes. And I want to be with you and that kind of thing. And then he dies. <sighs> and Randall goes back to owning the store and working with Elias, who is has a whole... Elias's recurring joke in this movie is that he keeps changing costumes I guess they take the whole, like, he goes from a Jesus freak to a sexual deviant in Clerks 2, and no. they turn that into, oh, he's got to change his personality every scene. Not only was did he change his personality, he just he went from a Christian blockchain group to a oh, yeah, devil-worshipping like crypto, yeah. crypto group. A big, a big uh, for some, God knows what reason, is that the other there's another silent bob-esque character in the film named blockchain played by an actor that i have actually seen in good stuff he is actually in a film that i the media thing i think of is scary stories to tell in the dark oh he's very good in that film and he's a lot of fun he's like the funny he's the funny kid in that one okay 
Um, but he is just god awful. Not because he's a bad actor, but yeah. because he's playing Silent Bob, and also again being a fan of Kevin Smith. I know that he at least is dating Smith's daughter. Mm-hmm. So it's just wild to watch this film and just be like, I was hoping you were in this because, like, they were giving you something to do, but it seems very much like another, like, you're a friend of Smith and you're also dating my daughter. And they also tried to put Harley Quinn Smith and Blockchain together (laughs) at a certain point, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Blockchain's such a waste of space in this movie. They just, I don't... He has a better. He's, he's Silent Bob, but he's also Elias from Clerks too. Like he's meant to be the little buddy character, but he doesn't Speak. do anything. Yeah, he's not given any, you know, gags, visual or otherwise. He doesn't really do anything. He just is scenery whenever Elias is on screen. Yeah, and it's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> he has a Silent Bob moment that I will admit, yeah, is better than the actual Silent Bob moment that we get. The actual Silent Bob moment is pretty bad. Yeah, it's basically just Silent Bob explaining what it means to be a cinematographer, and that's it. Like it's it's not like a, yeah. a big I mean, moment. It's, one, it's kind of ha ha funny because it's like, oh, Kevin Smith is explaining to the characters that are based on kevin smith why it should be in yeah but it's like haha clever funny but like like, it's not actually a cool moment like in the previous films no it's just 90 minutes of jokes like that where it's not a real joke it is entirely a meta inside reference about like oh that's why the original clerks is in black and white because they couldn't get all the lights of the same type and they needed to they couldn't color correct it most or do the, it in post. Most of the jokes feel like jokes written by committee, which they weren't. This was all Kevin. Uh, but, all Kevin. But uh, it f- has that sterile feeling of like, oh, yeah, we got to have TikTok jokes and crypto jokes. What is this? And we gotta, what am I, your Tinder date? We got to repeat lines from the first movie. And yeah. Yeah, like it's also the fact that like. Clips there is great, isn't it? There's only one conversation I can think of that feels like it's supposed to be like the first two films, but like in a modern sense that isn't constantly referencing clerks while also discussing pop culture references. (laughs) And that is genuinely when Randall is talking about how hot Luke is in the Mandalorian instead of the last Jedi. Like they're talking about like how hot Uh Luke is while he's under anesthetic. Yeah. And then he's like, I don't remember what he calls it. Does he call him like Grizzly Adams or something in, the last jedi yeah i think so like it's it's just like that's like the only time i can think of because all the other times it's like when they have conversations they go like hey you should do that one conversation about the death star contractors you know clerks one it's like oh we should have this conversation you know about clerks one we should have this conversation about like how jason muse couldn't dance in front of the crew in clerks one so we have to recreate that in clerks three yeah and that's the film yeah like it very much is made for either a super fan that knows all this information already but doesn't care because they love Kevin Smith so much they're just glad he's still making stuff or it's for like the Kevin Smith super fan that doesn't know those things and then just goes like oh well that's a nice little tidbit that's kind of funny right and that's it like there's it's just not there's just nothing to grab onto with actual substance yeah it's all like skin and bones at the point that this comes yeah. out 
and it just i mean it's just cheap all the way across the board it looks cheap it feels like a rough draft andy this it's, looks like a youtuber movie it does it's no, shot I mean, it's I've shot like YouTuber fucking movies that look better it's shot like fred like yeah. fred films it's <laughs> shot like the fucking smosh film yeah like it, it it's so wild to think like in clerks one there's like a, a big like cinematography moment if anything is like there's a oneer at the very end of clerks yeah. that is very subtle you don't really think about it as much most of the time but like it is basically a steady cam shot of them talking about the the dead guy in the back of the restroom yeah and like clerks it, 2 has some decent a lot of steady cam a lot of steady cam in clerks 2 but it looks a lot better yeah it has like a dance sequence that I think is well shot and well edited. Mm-hmm. It is just overall like when it gets to Clerks Three, it is like watching watching people who are about to get shot for like like get executed. The way that it's like <laughs> yeah. and everyone's so stiff. The shots they do that aren't just straight on, like right in front of them. It's like a weird catty corner angle, as if it's to add. Yeah, and it doesn't add anything. It's just like a catty corner angle. Right. And it just ultimately, like, even the stuff where it's supposed to be, like, you know, Dante in the theater, in his mind, is super basic. The hospital, where they clearly shot at a hospital in certain places, Randall's room just looks like a set (laughs) in the cheapest way possible. The film itself, like, where I was checking, I was comparing, like, budgets... While the original, the original Clerks, Clerks Two was five million, not seven million. I forgot that. With Clerks Two, with inflation, is seven point three million. It's only point three million more than what Clerks Three had as a budget, and it looks like it had thirty million more <laughs> than Clerks Three did. It is just astounding how cheap the film looks. Yeah, like he didn't use Kickstarter for the film, which yeah. good for him. Like the fact that like he had full control and he could do what he want and not have to worry about like doing this or that or like hitting deadlines like he could just take his time with the film right but if someone said like this looks like a kickstarter film i think that's appropriate <laughs> yeah it looks like that yep oh it just yeah there's just not much to this movie that's interesting um so for i mean I there's think... a few baffling decisions but oh talk about those throw them out so i can remember them and get angry i'm trying to oh, think i'm of... mostly talking about what we've already talked about the oh, killing yes, off of, yes. of uh, becky and the killing of dante Which and uh... i do not remember he could have talked about i don't think he did the first promotional image for this film is elias randall and dante and becky all together in the quit yeah. stop there is not a single scene with that. Yeah. In all the trailers, you see Becky. They use Becky, and it's very clear that, like, it's the scene of the movie theater. Right. So it's like it's almost, it's implying in the trailer that there's going to be a scene where they watch the film together. Yeah. Not that they're both fucking dead, and they're watching the <laughs> film in the afterlife, basically. It just feels so cheap and feels like I've been tricked to an extent where it's yeah. like, like, listen, if you didn't want to have Rosario Dawson, there are better ways to do it than just fucking killing her character. Yeah, yeah. Like, and also, she's in a reboot. She's in the Jay and Silent right. Bob reboot, and right. I just assumed she played Becky. Now I'm not sure. I don't know. I should look that up. <laughs> I guess I need to watch reboot now, because I feel like I would like that better than this. <sighs> Probably. 
But yeah, just like Elias isn't funny anymore. The way that it's shot is no. just awful. And that's that's one of the <laughs> it's weird to say it, but that's one of those like that was one of the saddest parts of watching it was how much fun they just sucked out of Elias because he was yeah. such a surprise s- in two of like, oh man, this guy is just a gold mine of awesome reactions and line oh, yeah. deliveries. And then in three he's just he's a one joke the whole movie and it's not a good joke. Yeah, he's just he just caught when he shows up initially. You go like, wow, he hasn't changed at all. Like, that's great. That's like a funny little he's joke. Right that's back cool. in it. Yeah. And then when blockchain shows up, it's like I don't understand, and I don't think you're funny. But like, maybe they'll make it work later on. And then by the time it gets to the final scene of Clerks Three, and you see Elias, it's like I just he has no arc. He's yeah. a co- he's a comedic relief that has very little relief. Right. This is very rough and. I guess a good way to describe kind of the biggest issue with the film, in my opinion, I mean, all these things are issues. They're yeah, very right. much like, this is not a, this is, this is a one and a half out of five. Yeah. Easy. And the only reason why I gave it that half star was I was being nice. <laughs> like that's like genuinely, like I was just like, I guess I'll be nice. So if you're wondering yeah. if we're being too harsh, no, we're being, this is considered nice compared to yeah. what we can talk about, but the biggest thing I think that bothers me the much about Clerks 3 is that all that development, the little development in 1 that both Randall and Dante get, all that development that you get at the very end of 2 mm-hmm. for Randall and Dante's actual people, there's no there's no development. Yeah. They, and it's like, it's like, okay, fine. You know, uh, most people don't really like Clerks for the emotional arcs. They like it because they're funny. Okay, fair. Clerks 3 is not funny at all. There's like barely a handful. I think I've, I laughed maybe three or four times the whole movie. Like I and nev- it, they were little chuckles. I never expected to watch Clerks 3 and be like, that's a bit of a continuity thing that's like a bit of an error because like, why are they talking as if Jay and Silent Bob didn't give them money? Or why are they talking like this as if they didn't have this conversation right. in two or in one? Yeah. Like, it's very clearly at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, we've already been over this as characters. Yeah, why are we I, still... My brain always went back to the prison scene in two, like, this has been covered. We've Rand- talked Randall's about this. Randall's whole arc in this movie is rehashed from He's Clerks the most two. unlikable. And that's usually Randall's, like, deal, but this is very much, he is unlikable. Yeah, there's nothing... You're not rooting for him at all. There's even a bit of a joke. There's a joke about the fact that Randall lives by himself in the apartment next door to the quick stop in the VHS DVD store. Yeah. And it just goes by. Yeah. You don't talk about it at all. And it's like, that could be funny. Why aren't we, like, addressing this? But, like. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing, too, is, like, the traumatic experience is obviously a big deal smith because it should be it was a big moment in his life that really went like this is what i have to do i mm. have to basically address this in some way shape or form whether it's like on social media or maybe through my art because i need to kind of like break down just how lucky i am that i survived this and what should i mean with that when it comes to a message yeah so when it comes to this moment with clerks three where it feels like it's very much like he's telling his fans to go make art go do this i I didn't have a chance, like, like I'm doing this as if, like, if you don't think you have this chance, I took this chance, and here I am. Right. You go do it. But the grand scheme of things is while he's doing his version of the near-death experience in Clerks 3, 
it takes away all the character development, all the personality that both Dante and Randall have, mm-hmm. to the point where they just feel like stand-ins doing, like, this is, like, a totally not version of what happened with Kevin Smith in the hospital, <laughs> but it definitely is. Yeah. Which is is dissonant. It very much, yeah. it's kind of like it, it, it breaks the immersion, which is funny to say about a fucking Clerks film. Right, yeah. But that's how bad it is. Yeah. It's, it's like, just that shallow and devoid yeah. of character and cheap compared to again like, yeah, compared to something like with top gun maverick where it discusses <laughs> it uses val kilmer's you know oh, traumatic yeah. experience going through cancer yeah. and why he can't speak at the moment or at and least they he's, make he's, that make perfect sense with his character yeah, and it, pay off in an emotional way not only does it work for Iceman, but it also works for development for maverick himself right. in terms of like how again time is running out for a lot of that era yeah and it's like it's he is a dying era and so it's like they use that in a way where it's like if you know kilmer's backstory in terms of what he had to go through then of course that is much more impactful maybe right. but if you didn't it's still impactful still works just for the character that yeah. is yeah with clerks three if you don't know anything about what smith went through when he had his widowmaker <laughs> heart attack yeah it's like baffling you, like why you is go, this why, happening why is this yeah why is this the story we tell when they're in their 50s like i know people in their 50s have heart attacks but this feels weirdly charged yeah and it is it's a weird film that is just not enjoyable like it really is like i was getting embarrassed watching it with other people yeah because i was just like oh god like yeah people like kind of yeah because we were with some other people who hadn't seen the previous two or hadn't at least hadn't watched them with us in a while it was was like this was kind of their entry into the series and it was like yeah we promise the others are better (laughs) yeah we're just sitting there like ah because like yeah one of the like our friend jake was just like walked in and was like i've seen clerks wanted two like cool like this is i mean cool clerks three let's see how it is and he just sits down and it's like (laughs) a funny moment it's like unfunny moment number 37 yeah and i'm just sitting there like oh my god he just came in at like one of the worst times and then i went that's basically what this whole film has been like there, there's no really a good time to show up except yeah. for like the very end when it's like the emotional stuff right bad movie very bad movie awful awful mm, film and it's a bummer trying to think maybe the worst movie I've you've seen, seen this, this year? year it may be i think it is for me too like trying to th- oh well jurassic world dominion oh wow Never really thought it'd be Clerks Three versus Jurassic World Dominion on that, but I think you're right. That's that's a good point. Yeah. 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 Just gross. Yeah. I mean, watch. what a way to end a trilogy. Yeah. Is what it is. Watch, I really... watch the first two. They're cultural landmarks. If if not much more than that, they are cultural landmarks and deserve your time. Uh, I but... I really genuinely hope that like Kevin Smith super fans who pay tickets to see this in theaters genuinely have a great time i yeah. hope that like because it feels like it's just i hope for they them. had a good time making this movie yeah because it's it, not fun to watch <laughs> no it's not fun to watch and it doesn't even doesn't even give you that solace of like feeling like uh this isn't entertaining me but it feels like it was fun to make yeah i just have to hope that it was fun to make because it's terrible <laughs> yeah it just and a lot of them feel like they're kind of phoning it in um so yeah, is, I don't know. I hope I hope the the Smithites love it. Yeah, if you're a big View Universe fan, I hope it is everything you want it to be. 
I'm just going to be completely honest. If Mallrats 2 is the next thing he's making, I'm not going to see it because I have no... <laughs> as someone who still has like a bit of a nostalgic feel for Mallrats and liking of it, there's no way in hell. If he can't even do Clerks 3 yeah. <laughs> without a feeling like this, right. Mallrats 2 is going to be bad. Yeah. I, I just feel like that's the case. I would love to be proven wrong. I'd also love to talk to Kevin Smith. That would be fun, too, because I think as a personality, he is fun to talk to. Yeah, he and I seems feel like, like a cool guy. And he takes, and I think now he's at a point in his career where he takes criticism well, and he very much wears his heart on his sleeve in terms of the decisions yeah. he makes. And, like, if you don't like be, it, it's not for you. It's totally I fine. would love it if he just kind of, you know, just started producing a bunch of things and giving platforms and resources to other creatives who maybe have more in the tank stuff that's in his vein but maybe better <laughs> yeah i mean he's also like he's got he is producing i mean he does wrote. that stuff but um, yeah it's kind of like maybe stick to that <laughs> support good work yeah don't which i think he does he constantly does bad as, work especially as a nerd especially as a nerdy guy that has a yeah. podcast like he yeah. constantly talks about all the things that he likes even the things that we don't like he probably likes. Oh, yeah. I mean, he definitely he's seems like a fairly, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but fairly easy to please, you know, affable person who just enjoys oh, yeah. things. Which I think makes a lot of sense where it's like he grew up as a nerd. Yeah. In an era where it's like being a nerd is not the best yeah. thing in the world. Now it's at a point where it's like he could talk about all the weird, obscure shit that he likes and probably finds out it's not obscure anymore as it was. <laughs> Yeah. Like, this is a perfect time for him to be like, listen, you might not like, you know, Black Adam or Aquaman or whatever kind of film that comes in the future that, you know, maybe people won't like. But he'd be like, hey, I'm just glad we're doing this. Right. I'm just glad we're making these. Because I, I, when I was a kid, I never would have guessed. Yeah. That is the Clerks trilogy. It there is. it is. We yeah. are now, we have now made a longer podcast than the actual Clerks films themselves. <laughs> Not combined. Oh, not combined. Actually, not longer than Clerks 3, but I don't want this to go as long as Clerks 3. Wait, Clerks 3 was longer than this? Yeah. How did we survive? (laughs) (laughs) By just trying to get through it. Yeah. Because, like, it was much easier to talk about it because we could pace through the shit we we didn't like. Right. Compared to, like, watching Clerks 3 and being like, is this the 30-minute part? (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, again, watch Clerks 1, watch 2. Don't watch three. Yeah, it's a great duology. It well, is. I mean, it is a great duology yeah. that also has the third film that you can just don't have to notice. Right. <sighs> Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is basically a better third film to a degree. <laughs> That's between one and two. Jay and Silent Bob Reboot is probably also a better follow up in again, some form. I wonder if they're in that. I didn't yeah, see it. Yeah, I have it. no idea. I just again, I just I just thought like, oh, that's probably not good. But now it's on Prime. Yeah. Maybe I should give it a watch. Check after, it out. After Clerks 3, I'm waiting, I'm ready to watch Jersey Girl. Yeah. Ready to watch Tusk again and be you like, wow. A double feature of Jersey Girl and Gigli, the, the other terrible Ben Affleck 2000s movie. Classic. Who, would, who wouldn't want to do that? Right. Also, Ben Affleck is in Clerks 3. It's a bad scene where all these celebrity cameos show up. Yeah. All great actors it's, and actresses. It's a very, even, even in the vein of shameless celebrity cameos it's a very shameless celebrity cameo montage yeah 
It's just like, uh, let's trudge up all the people that we know. We're doing a casting call, but it's clear that we're not shooting this in the same environment as the casting call yeah. is supposed to be shot. This is obviously just a black background. Yep. We can just make it look like as if they're there. And it's like, okay. Clerks 1 and 2, worth watch. Clerks 3, no go. Nope. There you go. Bad movie. Yep. Bad movie. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what's the future look like for us, Logan? God, my brain is so mushy now that we had to like <laughs> I had to like rethink of all the things from three. Yeah, I believe uh, you'll next hear from us on October first. Absolutely, this um, is our last, technically our last September episode. Yeah, um, we'll have uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, three coming at you in October though, um, and and we will reveal more details on those later, uh, but. Uh, expect some spooky surprises it is our third halloween season yes of the all trilogies podcast so we definitely have three episodes that we are definitely still working out in terms of like what we want to do in each order uh-huh. but until then it's going to be a surprise so tune in october 1st for our first spooky trilogy which listen to our social media you'll we'll we'll ed- announce it right yeah, before we'll keep it keep you posted but until then i'm logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.